kill you. Yeah, what's wrong with the beer we got? Good evening. <clears throat> Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Auntie Nanny. This is episode 102, 103? 103. Yeah. 103. Can't even remember. So many, they're starting to blend together. Um, but tonight, um, instead of the usual depressing news podcast, uh, we're going to have, we're going to have a vaping show. So we're going to try that again. Um, but with me, as usual, is the lovely, vivacious, and happy Miss Jeannie very- Kay. <laughs> <laughs> Miss Jeannie Kay. And the best producer money can't buy, Mr. Very Boring. How are you guys this evening? I'm good. Okay. Um, so I guess first, the, the first thing we'll do, which has become per usual, is do the CASA update for the week of 2-9-2015. So, um, and tonight we have an extra special guest. The president of CASA, Ms. Julie Wessner, is going to join us. She's here. Hi, Hi Ms. Hi. Julie. Hello, guys. How are you? I'm great. How are you this evening? Cold. Cold. Very cold. I'm calling from Casas Des Moines, Iowa office. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, I was laughing because somebody somebody actually called and asked um, if they could be put in touch with our Oregon office. <laughs> and I was sitting there thinking, wow. <laughs> sure, you are our Oregon office. How are you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm doing the update today because Alex um, was off in California talking strategy. It's pretty exciting. As everybody knows, California is under massive threat um, because they've got, I, I, I guess it's like the, the home planet of the ants. I, I, I don't know how else to describe it, but poor California um, vapors, they've just been beleaguered. And so Alex was attending a strategy meeting and it's very exciting and I'm sure he'll probably update on that when he comes back and talks to you guys. Um, okay. But I'm going to just do the, the, the quick roundup. Um, we've got 
tons of calls to action with sadly more to come. Um, But today we just put one out for Nevada, which is Senate Bill 79, which is a 30% wholesale tax on e-cigarette liquid. Um, Yeah, (laughs) we're we're getting hit with the taxes. Um, We've also got Maryland. Um, We've got a call to action out for a House Bill 26, which is basically banning e-cigarette use wherever smoking is banned. Indiana, of course, is a constantly evolving situation where just an obscene number of bills have been introduced and um, the Indiana folks have just been doing a yeoman's job out there really organizing and battling this. Um, Because, you know, let's be honest, the state organizations and the vapors within the state need to take responsibility for their state. Yes. You know, if if I go in and try to argue in Indiana, anytime these national organizations come in, you run the risk of being viewed as a carpetbagger. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the people who live there, this is their lives. Um, for the vendors, their livelihood. Um, for the consumers, their lives. And they're the ones who are far more persuasive um, than any so-called professionals, um, and Indiana's just doing an amazing job. We've also got um, a, a call to action out on Vermont, which is a bill to ban flavored e-liquid. Except um, menthol. Except menthol. Except menthol. Except, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's really kind of scary. And after I finish the wrap-up, I'll, I'll give you a few comments on all this. This ridiculous nonsense is what I'm calling it now. Um, Oregon has approximately 100 million bills, um, (laughs) and they actually had a hearing today on 2546, which is um, their attempt to include e-cigarettes in their smoking ban. Um, We have not heard the outcome. For all I know, it's still ongoing. We've also updated the Alaska call to action. They've got a hearing on Wednesday um, regarding including e-cigarettes in their smoking ban. Um, You know, I should mention Maryland. Um, I I mentioned that we have some uh, a call to action there for an indoor use ban or banning e-cigarette use wherever smoking is prohibited. Their hearing is February 11th. Now, if you've live in one of these states and you haven't received an email from us, then you need to go and check your email, make sure that we're not getting caught up in your spam filter, or you need to join CASA, one of the two. Um, We have had some reports of our emails getting caught up in spam filters, and I I guess that's not surprising. We're coming up on 40,000 members. So, you know, that means that we're sending out a fair number of emails. I mean, obviously, we're not emailing everybody with every call to action. We, we target the emails so that if you live in Maryland, you'll hear about Maryland issues and not necessarily Alaska. Um, we are expecting to be issuing calls to action for Hawaii, Connecticut, Washington, New Hampshire, Ohio, Kentucky, and Utah, and of course, California. Um, We'll, we'll be definitely dealing with them. Um, and we're, we're just roaring into legislative sessions, aren't we? Um, I did want to give a bit of good news. I have not been able to verify it, but I did receive an email from one of our um, members in Wyoming. 
And um, in Wyoming, we had put out a a couple of calls to action, but one of them involved smokeless tobacco. And as probably all of your listeners know, CASA is a THR, a tobacco harm reduction organization. And while e-cigarettes are by and far our most popular means of THR among our membership, we also do represent um, other forms of THR, such as smokeless tobacco. Um, you know, basically, if it's a non-combusted form of nicotine, we're, we're going to support efforts to keep those accessible um, for consumers. And Wyoming was seeking to impose a pretty hideous tax on smokeless, and we just got word that that was defeated in committee, which Excellent. is always kind of nice. Um, so anyway, that was the, the roundup. Uh, you know, Alex is so much better better at this than I am. He talks about all the nuances, but I'm just kind of giving the highlights. May I interrupt just for one second, Jen? Yeah. Julie? Um, Jeannie? I'll try to watch your interview that you and Dr. Michael Siegel and the history professor did. Thank you. Oh, that is so sweet of you. That was. It's so hard to do those interviews because I had no idea where I was supposed to look. You were amazing. <laughs> Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, well, you know, you're allowed to you're allowed to talk during the podcast. You're a CASA member. Um, what what Jeannie is referring to was what is it? Huff Post Live or Huff Live? Yeah, Huffington um, Post Live. Yeah, and they had a segment on how e-cigarettes should be regulated, and um, they had originally, Jan, you can speak to this, you probably remember who they had originally lined up. Um, They had lined up a couple of people. One of them was one of the state people for the American Lung Association. One of them was one of the state people for the American Heart Association. Then they had a couple of our famous anti scientist friends who were going to uh, come on and talk. Yeah. And um, they decided they were not going to come on and speak when they heard Kasa was coming on. Well, that's what I like to think, but it it could have been anything. But I think at the last minute, uh, at the last minute, they wound up really trying hard to find somebody. So they found a history professor who um, had written fairly extensively about tobacco advertising and so he just trotted all of that stuff out without any real understanding of the difference between e-cigarettes and um, tobacco and and it's kind of a funny thing I was talking to somebody who said well you know why are you why are you in favor of advertising don't you think we should just have no advertising for e-cigarettes and and why do you care if you're really a consumer organization Um, and and my response, and it wasn't on the show, that issue didn't come up, but my response is, well, of course, we believe in advertising. That's a significant way of reaching consumers. That's how people learn about stuff. And so we're not out there asserting the um, free speech rights of businesses, but we are asserting our rights as consumers to get the information um, that they want to convey to us. And yes. you know, we... Yeah. I mean, maybe there's some rules like you, you can't advertise on, on Barney, you know, or Sesame Street. I, you know, maybe there, there is something in there. but No um, Nickelodeon advertising? That yeah. might be a good one. 
But it, it's just really crazy because there's just so much misinformation out there right now. And I, I really feel very sorry for vendors because you often hear this statement like, well, you know, they're just advertising, making it glamorous. You know, they're, they're you know, showing you this is adult product and and they're making it glamorous and so that's it is it, but it, yeah. it is an adult product well that's yeah thing. you know so we're what are you going to do i mean if you're a vendor you cannot make therapeutic claims in marketing right mm-hmm. you, you you can't no. so you can't talk about hey this could very well save your life you can't say, hey, you can quit smoking with this, although the jury's out on that. Um, you know, it, it might be possible to make the claim. You can make the claim about switching, but you can't talk about you should switch for your health. You could talk about really silly little things like, oh, you won't, you know, you won't have the, the smoke aroma or, oh, you can use it in places where you might not be able to smoke. And, and you know, just kind of the silly little things are the things that you're allowed to advertise. So, you know, I, I don't know. It, it's just crazy. Anyway. Well, I mean, there, there's... There's not much you can do to aunties like to confabulate. They like to stretch the truth. They like to say this is like this when it's nothing like that. And it's very hard to shut those arguments down. But, you know, we know their faults. Well, you know, for example, Stanton Glance was quoted. (laughs) Sorry. Please try not to get heartburn. Um, But he was quoted in a newspaper article um, about bans on sales to minors as saying that when we prohibit sales to minors, we're just making it more attractive to the kids. (laughs) So you, you just sit here and you think, so exactly what are we supposed to do with this? Is he now arguing that we should make them freely available to children? Should we be not advertising that these are adult products oh. you know it, it it's it at some point people are just going to have to accept responsibility and say let's just ban sales to minors impose draconian consequences for violating that and be done with it well i see i've never understood every time we've tried to and i say we but it's not so much we but every time a minor use ban comes up the American Lung Association, the American Heart Association, the American Association of um, Pediatric Physicians, they all stand up and say, no, that's, you can't do that because it's not saying it's a tobacco product. Exactly. That is their, that is their exact reason. Well, look, we're trying to keep these out of the hands of children. Most reputable vendors do not sell to children. We already know that. But we're trying to keep these out of the hands of children. So what would you have us do? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's all, like I said, ridiculous nonsense. Um, you know, one other point I would like to make, you're, you're seeing a fair number of what I would consider more technical calls to action, things that we, that some of our members would look at and say, well, I don't understand why it's such a big deal. Like, I don't understand why it's such a big deal to have um, a tobacco license, you know, to be required to have a tobacco license in order to operate a shop. And, and, and I understand um once you have an age-restricted product, it makes sense for the state to have some mechanism to enforce that. And part of that is having a list of 
places that are selling age-restricted products. So, you know, people think that we're being a little too technical or maybe a little bit too careful. But the problem that we're finding is that when, when we get caught up at the state level in all the tobacco laws, so for example, a tobacco license, um, there are a lot of unintended consequences associated with that. My own state of Iowa is a perfect example. Um, everybody agreed that there was a system in place that was not particularly onerous for the state to grant licenses to sell tobacco products, just throw e-cigarettes into that category. They're not tobacco products. They're defined as something else, but they've got to get a tobacco permit. Mm -hmm. And um, the next thing you know, because we have a hostile attorney general, (laughs) um, he informed the Department of Revenue that they were not supposed to um, allow any permits to be issued for any company who wants to sell online. Because tobacco products cannot be sold online, he maintains that there is no mechanism to grant a permit or a license, I'm using them interchangeably, um, to sell e-cigarettes online. <laughs> so, and, and we're hearing of a few other states where this happens. So you, you, you have to guess that a lot of these hostile attorneys general have gotten together and come up with a strategy to stymie things. Um, well, well, so, you know, it's a big I deal. Mean, well, the, the NAA, the National Associations of Attorney Generals. You know what I'm talking I, about. The, yes. the people that... Uh, I want to call them NAG. <laughs> yeah, we'll call them NAG. The people that orchestrated the Master Settlement Agreement. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve Forbes has written pretty extensively about them. And they are pretty much an organization that just lobbies for change. They don't like the milk that schools are selling, they're going to impose a fine. They don't like this, they're going to impose a fine. And they're tax-exempt for the large part. And they have their own sort of group that they just sort of do their own thing. Um, And at first, it was just tobacco. And now they're moving on to other things. And obviously, like Steve Forbes predicted, they are moving on to vapor products now. Which is not really a surprise, but they want their cut of the money. Very much like all the antis, like all the anti-scientists, they just want their cut of the money. And they will do anything to get it. And it's it's hard to combat that. Well, it is. And if you had asked me, so I've been doing this, what, six years? Mm -hmm. If you had asked me four years ago even, and said, oh, you know, we're going to basically start hurting the tax base. We're going to take enough smokers away from the traditional combustibles that we're actually going to make a dent in the tax revenues. I would have laughed. I I would have laughed. I I would have said, oh, get that tinfoil hat off your head, girl. Um, but but the truth is, we we really are eroding the tax base. And we're we're hearing politicians saying we're losing tax revenue from um, tobacco. You and know, there I, is it, a laugh curve. It is heinous. Mm-hmm. I, because all these states have set up so that they are dependent upon this source of revenue on a syntax. And it's ostensibly designed to reduce use. Yes. But then you do, and they've got to go after something else. It, it's the laugh yeah. curve in, in yeah. perfect 
it's a perfect example of what the Laffer curve looks like. Where you've actually taxed so high that your expected revenue has plummeted. Now, yeah. and, and then what do you do? Exactly oh, yeah. what they're doing now. And if they can't get money from us, you know they're going to move on to um, sugary to- soda taxes, um, taxes on the fat in your food, um, taxes, oh God, in the salt, the oh, yeah. sodium content of your food. They're going to, what they did to smokers, what they're doing to vapors, they're going to do to everyone. So everyone is going to get to feel this sting. Oh, yeah. There's there's absolutely zero doubt about it. And vapors tend to keep thinking that somehow, and, and, and I don't mean to be dismissive because I was very much this way in the beginning. I just kept thinking that at some point the truth would become so manifest, so so obvious that there's just absolutely no way that you could avert your eyes and not see it. And that the American Lung Association and and all of those groups would have to say, yeah, maybe e-cigarettes are an answer to a problem, not a problem in and of itself. And I, I kept thinking that they were going to see it. And, and it's just become abundantly clear that no, no, no that's not going to happen. Um, we're still anecdotes. We're still normalizing smoking. We're still doing all of these horrible things, um, and they refuse to recognize the the truth. And um, so I know, like, I've gone way over the podcast time. I am so sorry. You, you get no me worries. talking, and um, there it is. But I did want to leave on a positive note. Okay. I, I mentioned the anecdotes. You know, we're mm-hmm. all just anecdotes to them. Um I, I know Alex has mentioned it before, but I'm going to mention it again. We've got our testimonials project, and we, we've we got about 3,500 testimonials, and it's so easy to submit your testimonial. Um, it's at, oh gosh, I, I should know the, the link, um, but it's like, if you go to our website, well, wait a minute, I can give it to you. It's <laughs> testimonials.casa.org. And go there and submit your testimonial. Um, our plans are, the testimonials is actually, the website has actually been mentioned in an article that was published out of Mayo um, Clinic, which is a pretty big deal. And, you know, our, our plan is to collect continuously these testimonials. And when we get to a certain number, we're going to start printing them out and yeah. having them delivered to mm-hmm. legislators. Um, you know, how do you like these 5,000 anecdotes, 10,000 anecdotes? Um, because it's important for them to understand that there are real people and this is working. This is working for an awful lot of people. So anyway, that was my, my positive plug. It was. Um, Julie, because I'm a Pollyanna. Come, you are. If yeah, you want to come, you are. If you want to come back some night and do an entire show, just let me know when. Okay, I will do that. Okay. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you, Julie. Okay, bye-bye. Have a good night. Bye-bye. Okay, um, can we get vaping point? <laughs> yep, I'm just uh, okay. looking Thanks, for the hey. link now. Here we go. I don't have to wait for Skype. <laughs> oh, gotta love Skype. I mean, don't no, get me wrong. 
that's her own right welcome uh, hello liz hello everybody how are you this evening i'm sorry uh, the the casa update ran a little longer than usual it's it's not normally we don't normally get the president of casa to come on and give an update so uh, tonight was a little unusual how have you been I'm very well, thank you. Very well. I've been sitting, waiting, vaping, happily <laughs> in my comfortable armchair. Nice. So, it's been about a year since we've talked. Yeah, that's a long time. It is it's a very long time. And things have changed in the last year. The aunties are so much worse. They're attacking so much more viciously, and we know they're lying. We know they're lying, and it, it gives people a sense of hopelessness, but I don't think it should, and I'm going to tell you why. When they're lashing out like this, when they're attacking like this, they've got to be on their last legs. Now, this is the most vicious, the most ruthless they've ever been. The California campaign is the worst example of nonsense and bull I've ever seen in my life. And now you've got scientists, quote unquote scientists, deliberately cooking cardamizers until they off gas and then saying, this is what vapors are inhaling, which we know to be patently false. It really does give you a sense that there is no way to win this, doesn't it? Well, it does. And you're right about things changing. Because tonight, even, I got a nice um, thing that's been going on my Facebook about um, that propylene glycol Mm -hmm. is actually good for you. And it stops infection and inflammation and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. Which sounds so uplifting and everybody's sharing it on Facebook, Mm -hmm. excepting when I checked the date, that (laughs) was published in 2009. Yes. Which is when I had my first very awful, ghastly, horrendous (laughs) little cigalaki (laughs) e-cig. So in 2009, everybody was friendly. Because it's a lovely thing. Propylene glycol in cigarettes might keep us healthy, say researchers. And you compare that to what's happening now, and things have gone really nasty, really nasty. They have. It, um, in the span of about, well, I've been doing this, in June, it will be six years. So in the span of about, just about five years, the entire system has changed quite dramatically. Um, I know that our CDC is funding all of these anti, I don't want to say anti, because they, they might not be, they might actually do some honest research, but I doubt it. <laughs> They're funding all of these ridiculous studies. Um, the mouse study comes to mind, um, which just give these absolutely hideous results. And yet there are millions of us who vape, 
who have switched from smoking, vape full-time, or, you know, vape part-time, smoke part-time, or use another tobacco harm reduction product and, and vape, it doesn't matter. We know this works. What's ridiculous to me is people who look at the evidence and go, oh, they're anecdotes. And we see quite a lot of that. We see that quite often. And it usually comes from, you know, Southern California. Hmm. Land of land of glance. <laughs> well, what would you yeah. call it? Um, I don't know what else you call it. Uh, the place that makes them put Proposition 65 warnings. I, I don't know. Do you know who Professor Brian Cox is, Liz? Yes, I do. I okay. do, of course. Yeah, I, I like him too. He posted a picture the other day on Twitter, and it was him outside his hotel room in California because he's doing his live show in California in March. And I guess he must be making pretty good bank to be able to come and spend a month in California. I couldn't afford to do it. And there's a picture of him standing outside his hotel room with a Proposition 65 warning on the outside of the facility saying that there are ingredients in this facility known to cause cancer. And it's just kind of funny to me how absolutely insane California is. And they're like the epicenter for all of this stuff that starts. Everything that's. Hmm? No, it is very strange. Mm-hmm. It's a peculiar place. Oh Yeah. Yes, it is. Well, considering the autism rate in California has increased like a thousand, <laughs> I I really honestly believe that it's California that killed them. <laughs> so, so, and you'll be fine. <laughs> She's probably right. California is hazardous to your health. <laughs> yeah. I don't... Well, go ahead. reading about it from this side of the pond, it does seem very peculiar. That in that little place, there is so much insanity. Do you think it's the movies that does it? What is it? <laughs> Surely they can't all be autistic. No, but I, I think it's that the money funnels into there. Um, I, I'm sure you know who Dr. James Enstrom is. Mm. I know who Dr. James Enstrom is. And we we can talk about James Enstrom. I could talk about that man all night. I just love him. But uh, he is the one who did the secondhand smoke study with Stan the Mechanic. That's what that's my nickname for Stanton Glance because he's a failed yeah. airline mechanic. Heard um, that not, before? Yeah. Um, he did the first secondhand smoke study with Glance that found very little measurable effects from being exposed, like living with a smoker but he found very little risk so he he wrote his paper which was very honest and Stan the mechanic wrote his paper which was not very honest and they sort of went their separate ways Stan went around bashing him for years and years and he never received uh, full time employment at USFC uh, or UCLA, UCLA because of Stan just bashing the crap out of him then they did this study for CARB, which is the um, air board in California. Uh, Enstrom did a study. Glantz did a study. 
And their study was about the carburetors that trucks use um, and the mufflers that trucks use. And uh, Stan, the mechanic, went running around saying PM 2.5, which is particle sizes, 2.5, like micro microns. Uh, Particles of the size 2.5 are known to kill people. Uh, The unfortunate part about that is, yes, it's in smog. Yes, it's in diesel exhaust, but there are particles that size that are also in fog. There are also in the steam that come from your shower. There are also in the steam that come from your kettle. And, of course, Glantz's study was believed. And UCLA took and fired James Enstrom for yeah. telling the truth. Um, that sort of insanity just seems to thrive there. And they all make a lot of money. Um, a lot of the antis are a part of that air quality board. And if they're not part of it, they're all scientific advisors to it. It's very, it's a very strange, symbiotic sort of, um, what is the word when two people who are related to each other have a sexual relationship? <laughs> I forgot that word, but it's, it's that sort of. Yes, it's, it's a, a very, kind it's, of incest. Yes, it's a yeah. very incestuous relationship. It's very yeah. odd and unusual, and it's not something that's generally seen quite as boldly and in your face other places. And that's part of kind of where the insanity comes from. The money is made from that. The money is made from taxing people on that. It's from causing insane licensing requirements and insane requirements for retrofitting vehicles so that they don't produce any exhaust. It's just what they're doing is insane and they're making a ton of money at it. So I have a comment on the insanity. Okay. Okay. I think their brains are rather like snow globes and all the shaking from the earthquakes is, you know, keeps unsettling <laughs> the brains. <laughs> I think it's that's that's good. Shakes. <laughs> it is like they're rather damaged. Yeah. Um, I feel very bad for the California vapors. They're having a very hard go of things. Having a very hard time with things trying to fight this, especially when they're saying everything should be attached to the use bans. Yeah. You can't use tobacco. You can't vape. You can't do anything. They're um, they're just trying to pass draconian legislation, and they're lying to do it. They're flat out lying. You look at the material they've put out, and it's all lies. Yeah. How do well, you combat I have, that? I have a headline that I picked up this evening. I follow this um, retraction watch. I don't know whether you do. Oh, the, I love Retraction Watch, yeah. The headline has come in... Oh, damn it. It's just loading up here on my thing. Hold on. Um, the FDA has repeatedly hidden evidence of scientific fraud. Oh. It is author of new study. Mm. So that... I haven't read the study, but that ought to be quite interesting. <laughs> it's very interesting, they hide the science they don't want you to see. 
because science has stopped being about science and it started being about supporting a political agenda. Well, talking about hiding data and stuff and autism, Mm -hmm. this Wakefield thing has not gone away yet because there's somebody on your side of the pond Mm -hmm. who has, um, I think there's some kind of hearing coming up in the future because the data on that was hidden or altered or changed. Yes. You see, this is the problem. We Mm -hmm. cannot trust science because it is not science as it ought to be practiced. It's science for money, for funding, and it pushes agendas and political ideas and Mm -hmm. all these um, uh, bad things, really, that... And using science as their proof. And it drives me crazy. (laughs) I I would say science deserves air quotes around it because that's not science. Um, You can tell there's a problem when a quote-unquote scientist says the science is settled. The science is never settled. The science isn't settled on anything. Science is there so that we can keep learning and learning and learning and learning. And someday we're going to get past this competition for funding. And people are just going to, I think, like much like Dr. Farsalinos does, you know, crowdfund for the science. Whether it's good, whether it's bad, you know, people will buy into the honesty of science. And people will support that with their dollars. They shouldn't have to if their tax dollars are going to support science, but it's not. Your tax dollars are going to support a regulatory agenda. Yeah, when you yeah. Um, when you say the when you have scientists say that the matter's settled, yeah, I mean, you, I have had loads of arguments in the last few years with people that in science there's no such thing as a fact. There is only what we know now. Yes. There's a hypothesis, there's a thought... There's something we can we think we can prove, yeah. and we've proven it. We've proven it with this one experiment. We've proven it, but is it easily reproducible? Yeah, that's where we run into problems. I'm just saying that that despite really is all the uh, the amount of nuclear weapons that have been fired off at the planet. Technically, lots of Newton's the- uh, lots of Einstein's theories still are only theories. They've not been proven. Right. <laughs> and yeah. The thing is, it's, it's a sort of corruption of science. Mm-hmm. And I think that it will go through a reformation because right. there are lots of scientists. I know one in particular who's very uncomfortable with mm-hmm. what is happening in science. It isn't science in, well, not all of it. There's loads of good science. Right. But there's some science that is very corrupt. And I think eventually, but I won't be here because remember, I'm going to pop my clogs or uh, fall off the planet in the next, you know, conceivable few years. I'm not going to be around as long as you lot. Um, But I'll have to reincarnate. I'm so curious about everything. I hope that I reincarnate as a, well, I'm not going to reincarnate as an animal or anything. I want to be an intelligent person Mm -hmm. with a memory 
of what it is now and see it how it is after the Reformation. We have to have a blitz through science and get rid of this stuff because it twists even medical research and mm -hmm. drugs. Yes. And, and the drug companies do not publish all the failures with mm -hmm. the drug. It's all very carefully cherry-picked. Um, well, yeah, and the Chantix results that went missing for several years. Yeah, yeah wasn't that curious? <laughs> so I, uh, I, I think people are getting, thinking, intelligent people, are getting revolted at what they see. Mm -hmm. And you know all the malarkey now about electronic cigarettes. Mm -hmm. To me, it's exposing how absolutely corrupt tobacco control have been in the past. Yes. Because in the past, the very first World Health Organization investigation into secondhand smoke mm -hmm. came back with results that showed certain benefits in the children who lived in families of smokers. Yes. Because they were less likely to get asthma. Now, I'm an oldie. All my kids grew up in a house where my husband smoked 30 a day, and I did too. Mm -hmm. Not one of our kids has grown up in any way that they tell you happens to children who live with smokers. Mm -hmm. None of those things. My friends are all still here around me. Yes. And I was talking to a friend the other day who said, well, I've lost two friends to lung cancer. Mm -hmm. And I thought, uh-oh, here comes, because everybody knows I'm a smoker. Well, actually, I don't smoke. I vape only. But in my head, inside my head, I'm a smoker still. Yes. I know. Because my vaping is a total substitute for smoking. Mm -hmm. And it satisfies me in every way. So this friend said, two of my friends died of lung cancer. We were sort of talking about, you know, when you get to my age, you're talking about which friends have just snuffed it, actually. <laughs> yeah. And I looked at her and she said, but none of them smoked. So that made me feel better <laughs> because yeah. uh, I actually, in my life, I've been very lucky. Mm -hmm. All these awful, ghastly things things that happen to you when you're a smoker right. haven't yet happened to me or anybody I know. You know, I, uh, I wish I wish the scientists would tell the truth about this stuff. All the things that they say are smoking-related illnesses are things that happen to the elderly population. Yeah, it's called old age. Yes. Cancer is, generally speaking, a disease of people who are older. Okay. Heart disease is generally speaking a disease of people who are older. Uh, all of these things that they lay right at the feet of smoking. And I'm not saying people don't genuinely have health problems that lead them to start vaping. There are people who do. I was one of those people that I never had. I never had that. I never had a health problem. Never. You know, um, so I was either one of the very lucky people or, you know, I just didn't smoke long enough 
or or what have you, but I never had any negative consequences from it. Well, my never. father died at 70. Right. He'd smoked from the age of 12. Mm-hmm. He had no shadows in his lungs, no lung damage whatsoever. Right. It wasn't smoking that killed him. What did he die of? He was an alcoholic, unfortunately. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. That's what killed him, not smoking. 60 a day for that many years. And yeah, it no wasn't very, it wasn't uncommon for my 97-year-old grandfather to have chewing tobacco in his face and a cigarette in his hand. Yeah. <laughs> you well, know, my my father used to smoke um a brand called Kentstis King Club and they're probably the second strongest cigarettes on the UK market. So, yeah. <laughs> I was a clo- I was a clove smoker. I I will straight out tell you, I was a clove smoker. And I loved smoking. You don't even know. I loved it. There was nothing about it I didn't like. And if, if cloves were fairly easy for me to get here that were the same, I don't know that I'd be vaping. I, I, I think people deserve to hear the truth. I'm not one of the people who quit because I had health problems or it was bad for me. I, my personal story is different than that. And, and you know it because I've told you it before. I wanted to starve the beast. I became aware quite early on that the organizations that persecute us now we're using the tax dollars and the money from the master settlement agreement from smokers to do the same thing. We're essentially paying to be demonized, to be slammed, to be shunned, to be made to feel bad about what we're doing. And it wasn't so much about me. It was the idea that I couldn't stand that my money was going to support these people lying and saying these horrible things saying that people secondhand smoke was killing children. Oh, I couldn't stand that. Once I did the scientific research and I looked at it, that wasn't true. The numbers don't add up to anything that proves anything like that. That, that could be one way we could uh, get more smokers switched over. Mm-hmm. Show them some of uh, the mechanics, live performances. <laughs> um, and say, This is what your smoking's paying for. But, you know, I really admire that motive for changing to vaping because I remember I'm, I've never been a big eater. Mm-hmm. I'm not addicted to food. But if you put me on a desert island and there was only one thing, or actually it would have to be two things, right. uh, that I would take there, bugger the food, I'd actually take cigarettes and a lighter. Enough cigarettes to last me until I was rescued. That was how important I felt they were to me. And when all the legislation came in, and Mm -hmm. gradually, because I'm the old, I remember when everybody smoked, everybody was relaxed and happy. Nobody was yelling and screaming. I remember when the first legislation for safety belts came in. Yes. We thought that was a real weird idea. Fancy trying to protect people uh, in, a, in a motor car. 
mm-hmm. and and gradually the legislations have come in tighter and tighter. It's a very slow process. Yes. But in my life, I have I'm now aware of how restricted we are. And you know, mm-hmm. young people don't realize it. They don't have the memory. And I've got the memory of what it was like and what it is like now. So as every restriction came in, mm-hmm. I thought, I'll have another cigarette. <laughs> and I spoke to punish them all. And I was absolutely adamant I would never give up smoking because I didn't think about what my tax money or my smoking money was doing. Perhaps I'm not as intelligent as that. I just did it out of sheer um fury and anger because mm-hmm. I wanted to sort of poke them in the eye and I would go on smoking. But, you know, Cloud Bates just wrote a blog recently uh-huh. and I thought that was very illuminating. Mm-hmm. I think he was. it was called The End Game. It's mm-hmm. on the counterfactual, which is Cloud Bates' blog. I, mm-hmm. I love reading it because you find out all sorts of information tobacco control information, but that end game was absolutely illuminating at Mm -hmm. what a miserable, total, disastrous, unsuccess tobacco control is. And you know the money that's been spent on that could have Mm -hmm. been used for wondrous assistances for humans instead of putting them in straight jackets and making them just miserable and restricted so you've got a young group of people mm-hmm. growing up with with all these strange ideas they think life is normal but i look at it all and i think this is not normal this there's is insane well tobacco control is not about tobacco so much as it's about control <laughs> yes i mean that that in essence, is the problem. Um, Have they done anything good? Do you want my honest opinion? I I think at the very beginning, maybe there were a group in there that thought they were doing something to help someone out. Okay? I think that group has slowly been taken over by the money-hungry control freaks, and I think they're people that just basically want someone to hate. I really do. I think if... It were still politically correct to be a bigoted, to be a bigoted person. Um, they would do that. They would be out bashing people based on the color of their skin, um, based on their religion. I really do believe that is the sort of thing that these people would be doing. I think that they love that they have an entire group of people that they've demonized so much that they can push them around. And I think the reason, one of the reasons they're coming back quite so forcefully on vapors is because vapors are saying, no, no, you're not going to do that to me. You've done this to me once. We're not going to do this again. They're standing up. Well, vapors are standing up. Vapors are standing up. But ordinary people who don't smoke and who don't vape, really haven't a clue. 
And it's the ordinary people that are unaware, really. Um, and they aren't going to do anything. It's yes. the 1984, you know, the book 1984 or the movie, yes. if you saw it. Mm -hmm. It was one man who actually had the illumination of this very strange, insane place that they were living in. Yeah. And the book, uh, you know, it, it's he, his thinking is exposing how weird it all is. Yes. But a lot of people don't think it's weird. And so until ordinary people who aren't vapors and who aren't smokers wake up and say science is out of control, the minute you get that idea, then all sorts of other things fall into place in your head mm -hmm. and, and you become illuminated that science is out of control. The drug companies are doing corrupted stuff and, and a lot of other corruptions are flowing out of this weird and, of course, the press, Mm -hmm. which race in and publish things as if they are, are um, um, what do you call it? Um, Facts when they're not. <laughs> just come off Mount Sinai, burned in stone. Uh. And so the press stir it all up. In my blog, which I'd seen on somebody else's blog, he mm. called them prostitutes. I thought that was <laughs> very funny because they are, they just sort of, pass on all sorts of not quite inaccurate things yeah. that frighten, scare, mm -hmm. and and don't really illuminate the people. Yeah, but, it's called clickbait journalism. Uh, yeah, that's just, really that's really a thing, and that's yeah. really bad. It's it's since people have started tuning out the regular news media, which they have. Yeah. Um, and blogs have become more popular and podcasting. I guess I would call it the fifth estate because I think the fourth estate, uh, uh, the Brian Williams example is perfect. The Amber Lyons story that they refused to air on CNN, which was about the Bahraini um, repression that happened. That's perfect. What happened with Bob Woodward at the White House two years ago, that was perfect. People aren't making the connection that journalism is not what it was. Journalism is not what it was. Science is not what it was. These professions that used to be about doing a service. The fourth estate's job used to be to inform us and when there was corruption. With the truth. With mm -hmm. the truth. That's the key word, truth. Science yes. is mm -hmm. truth. And journalism was supposed to be giving us truth. Yes. When now, that's, now most journalists can't even bother to Google what they're writing about. No, they can't. <laughs> and you can you can see that when they publish a vaping story. I, I, I love going through and reading all the vaping news because I, I still do. I read a few hundred stories a day. People wonder why I'm not crazy. But, um, could, but maybe you are crazy. I might be. Um, <laughs> uh, Jan? But, yes. The, um, the thing is about uh, the truth, mm -hmm. the science on vaping exposes what absolute ignoramuses the scientists who are doing the studies, except for a few like 
uh, you know, the ones who are really pushing out good science about vaping. But the ones that come out with the horror stories are absolute ignoramuses. Mm-hmm. Ignoramuses. Yes. Imagine vaping at those temperatures. No, no human in the formaldehyde story, no human would ever vape like that because it's no. absolutely foul. No, Every it is vape foul. has had a dry burn mm-hmm. and it's oh. something you avoid at all costs. Well, twi- Twiglet. Do you, do you know who I'm talking about? Is, is her name Twiglet? Twiglet, Sita Jakes, yeah. Yes. She, I think the day after the formaldehyde study came out, she posted a video where she said, okay, this is a CE4, which is what they used. This is a CE4 at 5 volts, and I thought she was going to throw up. And she kept turning her device up in watts. This is 6 volts. This is 7 volts. This is 8 volts. This is, okay, this can't be done. And, I mean, she just looked... Like she was just going to die as she was doing this, just talking about how bad it was. And that's all the proof you need. No human being would do that. They there cooked. Been, uh, several videos, several videos yeah. did that. Well, she was, she was the first she was the one first. I saw. Yeah. So, um, but the scientists don't look at that. They take and they cook something. They cook the results. They cook science. They cook Part, science. Partly, uh, not in all cases. But mm-hmm. partly, some of these studies, uh, despite what they say, will have had a predetermined outcome planned. Mm-hmm. Oh, they always do. My favorite part about reading studies, and I get to read a lot of them now with Kasa, Um you read the summary, you read the conclusion. Um, you go through and you look at the math and you look at the science and you go, there's no way that that proved that. There's mm-hmm. no way that what you did here proved what you say it proved here. So how did that pass the sacred peer review test? Oh, how did that ever get published? About peer review. Oh mm-hmm. no. Peer review drives you crazy too because a lot of it is often your mates peer reviewing your stuff. Well it's not just that. Retraction Watch a couple of months ago this is why I love Retraction Watch. Y'all need to look at that blog. A retraction watch a couple months ago caught a guy who kept submitting his own peer reviews, his own reviews for his own papers, just by using different email addresses, because that's how lax they actually are at these freaking journals that everybody holds in such high esteem. Oh, they tell us the truth. They tell us this. They tell us that. They tell you shit. They there tell was, you nothing. Uh, there's a journalist, uh, I think it was nearly two years ago now. Mm-hmm. I've, I think I've mentioned it before. But he submitted uh, papers to scientific journals under his cat's name with fake <laughs> qualifications. And they passed peer review and got published there in was several one I, journals. There was one I put on my Facebook page. Uh, Edna Krabappel, Marge Simpson... And someone else, like IP Freely and someone else, uh, Seymour Butts, they all, (laughs) they produced a paper for one of those, what they call predatory scientific journals. And it was written by a computer, a computer algorithm wrote it, and it was absolutely horrible. And they accepted it. No peer review. They just accepted it. And it was horrific. Yeah, people don't realize there's a 
there's a war going on in the world of journals. There's all these, um, mainly Indian and Chinese companies actually, creating lots of scientific journals. And one company maybe produces 10 different journals mm -hmm. and they're all printing the same articles. And they're only doing it to get, to force particular studies into the mainstream. Ah, yeah. I mean, why not? If you can pay for the conclusion you want, why not do it? Yeah. Why not? I mean, apparently everything else is okay to do for money. Well, Jan? Yes? You that sent me the link about um, the FDA-approved um, knee implant Yes. Yes. They approved. They approved them. No, they didn't approve them. They were not FDA approved, and because the FDA is run so shittily, as much money as we dump into it, it's run pretty. It, it's run pretty badly. I could run something better out of my car than the FDA has run. So that should give you. That should give you some real faith in the fact that these people regulate your food, your cosmetics, and your tobacco products. Um, what did they go into? 180,000 people? And the FDA said they were dangerous. They shouldn't be implanted in anyone. And a red flag was never raised with the agency. ProPublica did the study on that. They, they went out and they found out, they did all the actual investigative journalism, which is rare anymore, and found that out. And that sort of thing happens with the FDA more than you can imagine. They're, they're horrible. They're a horrible, horrible agency. The, and they're unconstitutional and shouldn't exist. But that's, that's a completely different issue. Um, but they are not fit for purpose. Much like the World Health Organization is not fit for purpose. Mm. A lot of these big agencies just get top-heavy and stupid. Well, an unchangeable and that's the problem with the World Health Organization. It's sort of totalitarianism. Yes. Because oh. even though the, you know, Vapors and Clive Bates and everybody in the UK did try to stop the regulations going through, but when these regulations come to England or to the UK, mm -hmm. Vapors are going to be stuffed. I've just seen that Dave Dawn had a little um, episode from Parliament mm -hmm. and I saw all our politicians discussing vaping. And you my know, heart sank. That's why I wrote that blog that was uh, um, uh, vaping is doomed yeah. because they were all repeating the dogma and creed and saying when the EU regulations come in, it'll be all right, and this will be all right. And people haven't a clue. The people making the regulations aren't vapors and haven't a clue. Although so, the highlight of last week was the, the Lord's video where Matt Ridley, uh, Viscount Ridley, asked quite a question, and there's a debate on it. And there's one old gentleman lord who stood up holding his e-cig and going, <laughs> I smoked for so many years and this got me off cigarettes. 40 a day. Yeah. 
<laughs> that that was one of the good bits of the week. That, that yeah. was. Well, but it, even then, it wasn't a very nice device. I no, don't think that like would have satisfied. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's the thing with with EU regulation. With with uh, I mean. We talk about the World Health Organization. Let's be honest. The World Health Organization, the UN, are all for, uh, I'm going to say it, one world governance. We all know that. They would like to abolish all the government entities that we have in our cities, our states, you know, our, our nations. And they would just like to rule. That is their ambition. So the World Health Organization regulations basically come from those same people who run the UN they also pull from California aunties which kind of kills me Well, sure. and Simon Chapman it's almost as bad they basically wrote all of those things that you say anything that you see that's very very anti that comes from the World Health Organization those two basically wrote those if that's their policy, it's written by Stan the Mechanic and Simon Chapman. And they made a hell of a lot of money doing it. And they're going to continue to make a hell of a lot of money doing it. I don't know how you stop this until there is no respect left for those people, the UN, the World Health Organization, the idiots in Brussels. I don't know how you change things until people realize exactly how rotten and corrupt it all is at the core. Yeah, that's the thing. But a lot of people do are. There is an illumination sort of coming in, and it's not coming really from vaping or smoking particularly. It's other things as well. Do you know that I do not own the plants in my garden? The European Union owns all the foliage and the plants in my garden. There's some regulations about seeds. I may not sell or give seeds to anybody else. Yeah. All these heritage seeds. Mm-hmm. Uh, even straight bananas. And what was the other thing? Was it tomato sauce in bottles? Or yes. I can't remember what it was now. Some of them are so ridiculous. The ridiculousness of it makes people think of them as clowns. That there's something wrong that clowns are ruling us. Well, it's well, not when the, you. Look... The latest one was the vacuum cleaner. Oh, yes. Oh, hair dryers, <laughs> TVs. They're limiting the power you can buy your white goods at now as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. my The Hoover I have in my house is technically illegal now. You wouldn't be able to buy it now. There was a video somebody did. It was a couple of kids from the UK that are real. They're they're like they do like a jackass segment over there. Mm-hmm. Okay, and one of the things they did was they took all these silly EU laws, and they said, okay, well, okay, you can shake a rug out on this stoop in this place until five o'clock at night. So they're standing out there, 458, 459, 5 o'clock, 501. And they're like laughing their asses off because this is illegal. Then they were, there was another one where they were like, was, it's against the law to assault salmon or to assault someone with salmon. So they bought packaged salmon and were beating the crap out of each other with it. <laughs> it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen, but it really does illustrate how stupid these laws are at the core. 
and and that is a tool for getting people to realize the insidiousness of what's going on. Well, I mean, there's been pointers in the past with the EU bureaucrats. Um, I think it was the 90s where they were trying to bring in regulations on bananas Mm. and they basically wanted straight bananas. That's it. So they could regulate how long each banana was. Mm. What? Yep. Yeah, well, uh, the olive oil one, that really got people up in arms. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the whole Mediterranean. Uh, That's right. It was olive oil, not tomato sauce. Uh Uh-huh. Or tomato ketchup, as you call it over there. <laughs> you know, they, they just, their ideas for how people will live are ridiculous. People will not live that way. I'm sorry. No one wants to live that way. No one's going to. And, and I talked a little bit about my one grandmother who was Indian, and I talked about going to the reservation. I've only talked about this with Liz. I haven't really talked about this here. Um, and the older people on the reservation don't have a word for I. Okay. So they live in these conditions that would make you absolutely ill. They don't have running water because they say, you know, it, it's good for I, but it's not good for the whole. And it, it takes you away from the sound of the earth, which is, that's fine. If that's what you believe, that's fine. But the younger people are just leaving the reservation in droves going, this is not how we want to live. There has to be some balance between we and I. And governance like that wants to take away the balance between we and I. Yes, there is a sort of group think, and everyone has it, whether you're a, a libertarian or a socialist or a Republican or a Democrat. Everybody has some sort of group think because we are tribal in nature. That's something you cannot escape. You cannot get away from. We all have it. You identify yourself as a vapor or a smoker or as living on this street or working in this place. And these people are your people. You, you cannot help how your mind works. That is just how it is. These people want to take the I and completely abolish it. So there is no I. It's just what they say is best. They are going to decide how you are going to live. And ordinary, smelly people like us will not get a say. That's you wrong. I, a I, worker in a beehive, really. I, I will not live like that. I don't know anyone who willingly would. Mm. Well, I have made comments have in the past that our like- aunts are like ants, mm-hmm. especially in California. There's a little hive mind of ants yes. producing all this crappy science. Okay, Jeannie, you were... Like bees, then very, you and, and everything else that stands up to pee, um, you realize you die in the fall, right? Because we throw <laughs> you out and let you starve to death? Yeah. That's why I'm putting on lots of extra weight, just to okay. survive. <laughs> just, just so we're clear. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. that, that's, that's a sort of problem. All of this stems from the same sort of thinking. You know, uh, it's the same sort of thinking that we sort of started seeing in America in the 80s, um, where, like, the PMRC came into being, where there were swears and songs, and we cannot have that. Or people were prancing around dressed oddly. We cannot have that. You will not do this. We'll put warnings on this. 
and it was censorship. It was the very beginnings of censorship, and everybody kind of sort of laughed it off. You know, that same sort of... Go ahead. It's astonishing, really, that the people, the EU sort of rulers, if you like, are all slightly older. I suppose when you get older, you get positions because your career has grown and developed. So the leaders are sort of older people. And I'm always astonished that they came out of of my generation, really, which was sex, drugs, and rock and roll. How can such um, um, sort of legislature and, and control and all that come from a time where we were all supposed to, you know, love each other and be free and um, use LSD and explore and... And all these wonderful new things that came out in the 60s. And we've mm-hmm. done this massive swing. Yeah. Well, you one know, another answer thing is that a lot of them became politicians, ended mm-hmm. up getting offered uh, money by companies to promote certain positions, and they kind of like the uh, nice living. So yeah. suddenly, all the, all the ideas they had when they were young... Uh, all get thrown to the side because they've forgotten their principles. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I completely agree with that. But I don't... It's human nature to want to be free, no matter where you live, no matter what your circumstances are, to not live under someone else's thumb. That's where things like the Arab Spring came from. That's where you see uh, even the man Russ is going to have on tomorrow evening. Uh, that same sort of thinking comes from that. You don't have the right to treat me like this. And I think that is starting to occur on a much more frequent basis. And it can only be a good thing. Freedom is an absolute safety. No one is going to wrap you in cotton wool. You're going to be free to stay up as late as you want and not go to work and eat what you want, exercise or not exercise. Um, Those things are all part of freedom. And these institutions would like to take that away from you. But we have a failing. Humans have a failing. Mm-hmm. And that is our love of comfort. I was thinking of the women who are in the reservations n- not having piped water and mm-hmm. things that we take for granted which makes life more comfortable. Right. That governments and the whole of the way society is being, being constructed mm-hmm. is all for comfort. I mean, it has been ever since they were humans. We always have gone for being more comfortable than uncomfortable. I know when I've got the Helen with things here, I think I'm going to live on the Outer Hebrides in a croft or something. (laughs) And then I look at my washing machine and my central heating (laughs) and my dishwasher, and I think, no, I think I'll stay 
right here. This is where I'm happiest because I'm comfortable and mm-hmm. I'm warm right. and and I can stew in comfort at least. So the comfort for, stops you being free. Really. For now. Yeah, well, mm. You can for now. You can for now. And, and that is kind of the problem. What happens when someone who knows better than you decides you're using too much electricity to be comfortable? Oh, they have already. Right. But no, I mean, I'm... Yeah, well, now we've got these wretched low-energy bulbs. Do you know how I hate them? Because Mm -hmm. I'm sure they're not good for you. You know, frequency of light affects your mind. People are so depressed. Mm -hmm. It seems to me we've got the wrong lighting. And that's EU regulations. I don't know if you have it where Uh you are. We've all got to have the same light bulbs in our lives. And they're bad for you. We have the worst light bulbs. We have the ones that are filled with mercury vapor. We have the kind of light bulbs that if you drop it on the floor and you actually (laughs) read the fucking back of the box... You're supposed to open up all your doors and windows and evacuate your house for an hour to let the mercury vapors dissipate. We got them too, yes. Yeah, I've got, I've got the safer mercury-free ones. Uh, That's the way to do it. Mine are also daylight white. Because, <laughs> <laughs> as you say, I don't like those horrible yellow bulbs. Mm-hmm. Oh, and Liz, yeah, my main light bulb in my room is 115 watt energy saving. So that's the equivalent to 500 watt old light bulb. (laughs) That's because I do video occasionally. (laughs) Well, there's a little hitch in the EU ruling here. I hope nobody from there is actually listening. But (laughs) in, in the lamps next to us, we always have the old incandescent bulb, which you can buy here. It's called, now what's it called? It's a workman's thing. It's for extension leads and for um, electricians and things to use. So you go to the hardware store and you buy these bulbs and you can get them in 60 watts, 100 watts, anything you like. And they're just the old incandescent um, bulbs. Well, they're, yeah, I know the ones you mean. They're actually halogen bulbs. So they've been filled with halogen. So well, it's an incandescent bulb with halogen. Oh. Well, it's still an incandescent bulb. It's just they've put halogen gas inside the glass. <laughs> oh, everything is LED in the United States now. LED no. light technology is, is huge here now. Yes. I don't have any. I, I've got the horrible mercury will kill you bulbs in my house. CFL bulbs are probably the best option at the moment. I've experimented uh, extensively. (laughs) I've got a 7-watt energy-saving bulb in my bedside light. Mm -hmm. And that's the equivalent to about a 45-watt old light bulb. So it's nice and bright and white. Because my eyes don't like the yellow light. So, yeah. I need to get the white light bulbs. And are you buying special bulbs then? No, you, uh, I just buy them on uh, off the internet. They're freely oh. available. You oh, just have okay. to look at the colour of the bulb. 
Yeah. You have to look for 6,400 Kelvin bulbs. Okay. It's what they use in photography and some hydroponics applications. Um, but they simulate daylight. So, yeah, much better for your eyes. Oh, yeah. hey, I have those. Yep. Of course you do. You do. You grow hydroponic food. Yeah, you can get them up to 200 watt, I believe, which would sear your retinas, uh, <laughs> as far as I'm aware. <laughs> yeah, don't tell people, well, you know what, go ahead, tell people they can do that. If you want to sear your eyeballs out, you go for it. But uh, 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 the VP Live Network has no responsibility for what you do with your retinas. Yeah. So, see, I've got a 115 watt daylight bulb, and it's you definitely can't look at it when it's turned on. No, at some point, Jan, I'm going to have to give you that warning that I play at the beginning of my show about VP Live not being responsible for the opinions of any host on the VP Live network. Yeah. You, <laughs> oh, what you, you you think people don't want to hear me telling screaming at them to sit down and shut the fuck up anymore? <laughs> is is that is that what you're saying? What was the best Jan clip ever? I'm just saying. Um, well, but no, I. I've, I've also, besides that, Barry, I have a um, I have a 400 watt LED grow spectrum light. Oh, and, nice. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, it the, does ultraviolet two, and everything. Yeah. Yeah, the two neighbors that live um, away from me um, have pink light flooding in through the front windows of their house. Well, it's not pink. It's ultraviolet. Don't tell them and, that though. <laughs> and they think it's the funniest thing in the world. Um, and the one neighbor lady said, you know, the plants I have in that window look so much better now. They're so much greener. <laughs> like, mm, yeah. <laughs> She's like, yes, I'm, I'm giving them some free light. So what you're saying is, Jeannie, if you want a suntan, you just sit near that thing for a while. Uh, no, the room that that light is on in, I even, I try to avoid during the day, um, because if you go in there, I mean, you can see in there, it's not that it's that bright. It's the spectrum that it is. When you walk out of that room, yeah. everything looks funny. Yeah. yeah. You know, all your color perception is just all skewed and, and funny. But, yeah, I mean, it, and the thing about uh, some of the new light technology like that is, it's amazing because they have given you, you know, I have such growing potential now. And we're talking about Potter County, Pennsylvania, which is buried in snow right now. Um, there's an inch of ice on top of all of this said snow, by the way. That's what we got last night and today. Um, but I can grow my own organic vegetables in my house, know exactly what I've fed them, know exactly when they've been picked, know how fresh they are. And I can do it cheaper than what I can go to the store and buy green beans imported from Honduras or Mexico. Oh, that sounds wonderful, Jeannie. So it there's so there's wonderful. good in there. It is, you know, but I mean, so there's there's good technology and bad technology. And I think a lot of it is is how we implement it, you know. My husband and I would like to take our house solar. Thank God the price of solar power is coming down and down and down and down. But, you know, when we get into the science and the government of it, um, they're now, because the municipalities are losing money when you're not paying the electric company, which is paying the municipality, well, shit, now the municipalities have to start instituting a solar tax. 
So now they're going to tax you for using the sun. Mm-hmm. Oh, also, um, solar panel research has been deliberately obstructed. It um, has, yes. Yeah. It, the stuff the consumer can buy has not really changed in the last 30 years. But the technology has actually jumped way forward. It's just mm-hmm. nobody makes the newer solar panels. Oh yeah, I mean they have they have solar panels out now that that are literally printed on plastic. Yeah. You can take these solar panels and you can roll them up into a tube. You can and, have them printed on the back of your normal window. Yeah, and they'll last. I mean, and these solar panels are even at fifty years, they're saying are eighty five percent of the wattage load that they're supposed to carry. Fifty years. Mm-hmm. You can't find that with anything on the market that that you can buy right now. No. And that's because that's way too efficient and you wouldn't be dependent on your municipality for, well, anything. They need that tax money. The cleverest thing I have heard was quite close to Sterling where I live. There's a village and they wanted to build one of these wind turbine farms. But they had to get permission from the local village council and the local village council were incredibly smart they said yes as long as one of the turbines is for our use and after the first two they all profits from that electricity got put in a fund for the village and every year they vote on what they spend the money on so they've got free electricity and they're making money that's the way to do it. I mean, you know. In it, my place where I live, and talking about Jeannie's um, growing vegetables, we could have something like that here. You know, years ago, I came to England, and um, and they were making a new area. It was called Cumbria. And I said to somebody, where is this Cumbria? And they said, just drive around England, and when you see a big layer of clouds, drive <laughs> underneath it, and you've arrived in Cumbria. I never realized then I'd end up living here. But okay. often we don't see the sun for days on days and days. So Jeannie Kay's lights. Um, I, I just had this wonderful vision of an indoor room with wonderful vegetables all growing. I don't want to go to the Hebrides anymore. I want to have a GK light room for growing vegetables. Is it hydroponics? Yeah. Uh, well, I have hydroponics and I also have aquaponics. And oh. the aquaponics, aquaponics is absolutely amazing because it's like its own little ecosystem. It's absolutely amazing. Um, and, I mean, you can start an aquaponics growing system with, with a 10-gallon fish tank and some goldfish, which, which is amazing. You know, I mean, goldfish are what, 48 cents um, American right now? If you go buy them at, you know, um, your pet store or even Walmart or whatever. But, I mean, it's, it's really kind of amazing. But it saves us. And see, and here's the thing. I feel productive. I feel like I am doing something that contributes to the health and welfare of my family. And you're and, getting around the system, too. Well, and above that, have you bought kale recently? Yes. Kale, kale is really expensive. 
Do you have any idea how easy that is to grow? No. Radishes. If you like radishes, radishes grow to full maturity in 21 days. Oh, that's very good. My, the snails here love radishes. They like the radishes even more than I do. <laughs> snails and slugs. <laughs> I'm sure Barry's got them up there too. See, and well, yeah, inside, you don't have a <laughs> <laughs> The UK is just so damp. We uh, the, the slugs just love it here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you eat the goldfish if you're hungry? No. I've always looked at these massive slugs and thought that he couldn't eat them, you know. It would be a continual source of food. Well, you can eat slugs. It's just, it does not taste nice. You yeah, I just got a 270-gallon intermediate bulk container, um, which is a, a regular wooden pallet size. Yes. It's, you yeah. know... It's that cubed. It's huge. Um, and that is going to go in a greenhouse outside. And that will have trout in it. So we will eat those. Oh, yes. Rainbow or brown trout? Rainbow. 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 Yeah, they are nicer. Yeah. Unfortunately, not quite big enough for sea trout. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Think about that. You could start your own ocean, Jeannie. <laughs> I pass on that option. <laughs> but yeah, everybody's like, oh, get tilapia, is. get tilapia. And I, personally, my husband and I absolutely cannot stand the taste of tilapia. It does not even taste good to me. I've tried it seven different ways, and it was still all yucky. So I'm going to skip the tilapia, um, and we're going to go with trout. And trout are much more... Um, Friendly to temperature variation. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, trout don't care fish. if the yeah. water is 45 degrees or 85 degrees. Um, they will grow slower at both ends of that spectrum, but they will survive and flourish hmm. oh. in Jeannie. the entire yeah, range. Breaking so, up. Yeah. Jeannie's breaking up a little bit, yeah. But yes, it's, trout are very hardy fish, yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you, you were saying earlier, Liz, that that's kind of a way of getting around the system. It is. Growing your own food is one of the ways to get around the system. You know what you're eating. You know what you're putting in your body. Yeah. And you get the fruits of your own labor. So that's kind of awesome. Plus, there's kind of the satisfaction of doing something. You know, and it's like I said, when I stopped smoking, I stopped smoking to starve the beast. The beast is the regulatory agencies that would tell us all how to live and the people that they pay their money out to. That's one way to starve them by not giving them the tax money they want so badly, because unlike the rest of us, when we can't pay our bills. They can never seem to put themselves on a budget. They can never seem to get rid of an agency. I mean, that to cut down on what it does to try to live within their means. They just need to keep squeezing the middle class until the middle class becomes the new working poor. 
and then you only have the working poor and the rich. Yes. That's that's uh, Jan, I just thought about this and I I just put it in chat. Okay. My son is studying the New Deal in history. That that is when we bent over and let the government start controlling our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that that's because, like, they be, like Liz said, people like to live comfortably. So- but people like to live comfortably. You know what I mean? No one liked starving. I, I can't blame them. When there's a choice between starving or you get some food, you will... You will take a lot of crap to eat because that survival instinct will overcome even that part in your head that wants freedom. Go ahead. Go ahead, Jeannie. You were going to say something about the New Deal. Go ahead. No, my my Skype connection sucks. I'm going to shut up now. No. no, I just saw somebody on that chat saying, well, it, might, it was a raw deal. It kind of was. There was a new deal. Yes, I remember that from history. Though, of course, it didn't affect us particularly. Oh, it, it affected us. You know, yeah. and it didn't so much affect, like, my grandparents' generation as much as it'll affect the next generation of kids who are still paying for it. Which, you know, I understand... No one wants to live through an economic downturn. I understand that. I get that. But when the governments artificially prop stuff up and prop stuff up and prop stuff up like they have been, and then all their notes get called in, that leads to a massive panic. It leads to bank runs. And then it leads to something that leads to a new deal, which leads to like an even bigger loss of freedom. Yes. And it doesn't start like that. It's all really incremental stuff. And it's yes, always the slow been. choke. Mm-hmm. The slow choke. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, someone said politicians won't get elected if they allow it to happen. Well, you know, I, many, many times I've thought, okay, um, look, the market's done this, the market's done that. The bottom's going to drop out any day. It's going to drop out any day. It's going to drop out any day. And then Japan started instituting QE4 or QE5. Um, and then the market went back up again. It's artificially inflated. You know, the governments are propping up the business. The businesses aren't paying the people the necessary money to live. So they're not only propping up the businesses, they're propping up the people because politicians were bought and sold. They really should wear uniforms like NASCAR drivers with the patches <laughs> for all the people that have bought and paid for them. Um, no, one, no one wants to live through that kind of system. And no one wants to see if the system can sort itself out. And yeah, there's going to be pain if the system sorts itself out, which is kind of why I try to tell people every week, you know, try to grow your own food. Money is not what you think it is. Invest in things like seeds, invest in things that are tangible that you really own, you know, because money is not what it once was. I mean, money is technically silver and gold still, but it's not even that. 
the way we deal with it now, it's ones and zeros in some computer system somewhere. It's not even real. It's it's a fictitious fictitious thing. And there's going to come a point where we're really going to have to have a big discussion on money and labor and people because the way things are now is completely unsustainable. People can't afford to live the way they're living. People are running around getting two and three jobs. The government's allowing it to happen because they've been bought and paid for, even though they're supposed to watch out for us. But it got that way because we didn't watch them. Yes. So it just makes you wonder what the future is going to hold. I would like it to be more libertarian. I don't know if it will actually be that way. I don't know if we'll end up having something sort of more like a direct democracy, which I could actually see happening with as interconnected as everyone is to their devices and the internet. I could see there being mass voting daily on, do we do this or do we do that? Um, I don't know if that system's workable. I do know the monetary system is a total failure. And when the clock stops... When people go hungry, you really don't want to be around for that. You don't want to see it. You don't want to be in the cities. Um, It's all really bleak and ugly. But I think as people gain awareness, you have an opportunity to change things. You have an opportunity to change things by just talking to people and getting them to open up their mind to other possibilities. But, of course, governments have always used war as a tool for changing and for being able to say, well, it wasn't our fault. This war came upon us, and now it's after the war, and so we'll do things in a different way. So war is a tool Mm -hmm. for changing and making people uncomfortable Mm -hmm. um, because the toughies, we're all at war. We're fighting this terrible enemy. So we're looking at stuff happening in Europe. Mm-hmm. I'm watching it happening in Europe, and I'm just sitting thinking, you know, it's uh, sort of convenient. Right now, some kind of conflict would be convenient. There's, so, always, there's always conflict. There's always conflict. And if there isn't, the government will make it. Well, yeah. now, we, we happen to just, in, in Europe, just happen to have this small problem in the Crimean area again. <laughs> which could break into war at any moment. Speaking of weird stuff, did anybody see that video from the Ukraine yesterday? No. No. Mm. That's, that's some interesting stuff. Um, if I were going to bet on a conflict there, I would bet on it being in the Ukraine. It's a pretty safe bet. Yes. And the um, Russians are still claiming, oh, no, the soldiers are ours. Really? <laughs> They're that, reading your uniforms. <laughs> yeah. Um, hang on. This is the video I was talking about. Now, I'm sticking it up in chat. I don't know if anybody can see this. That video is identified as coming from the Ukraine yesterday. Watch what happens. It's pretty interesting when you get to about 30 seconds in. 
I don't know that that happened yesterday, but I do know that video is identified as coming from the Ukraine yesterday. That's, that's what, when you track everything through YouTube, that's where it says it came from. You and see, um, that looks suspiciously like a small fuel air explosion. Mm, yeah. So, like I said, if I were going to bet on something happening, it would be in the Ukraine, which is kind of a shame because I know we've talked about this before. The Ukraine is one of the most fertile places on Earth. Yeah, black soil. Think, yeah. Things will grow there that will grow nowhere else. There's there and there's somewhere in Africa that have the the most fertile soil in the world. Yeah, mm-hmm. They reckon if they brought in modern farming in the Ukraine, they could um, produce ten times the amount of food. Very. Because it's... What? Yeah. Sorry, Very. What did you say that explosion looked like? A fuel-air explosion. Yes. It's basically it's a modern type of napalm. You spray oh. it out as an aerosol, so it's fine particles, and then light it. It's almost yeah. as powerful as a nuclear weapon. Yeah. It has that particular mushroom cloud look to it. Yeah. But it's smaller. It's totally horrible. Yeah. Kills mm. everything within a few hundred yards. Yeah. And it's funny... You don't really see or hear anything in the mainstream media about it, but if I have to hear about Brian Williams stepping down one more time, I'm going to kick some reporter's ass. Well, do you know, it just so happens that the largest conventional bomb in the world was a fuel air designed by the Russians. (laughs) Odd that, isn't it? (laughs) It is strange. Like I said, though, if I were going to bet on any sort of conflict that way, that's where I would put my money. The Ukraine and Russia... Um, I don't want to predict that we're going to bomb the shit out of ISIS and be done with that and then move on to Russia, but I could, I could totally see that happening because if you can get people psyched up for war, big war, they forget all the rest of their fucking problems. Well, that's what Putin's doing in Russia and that's Mm -hmm. why he's doing it because Russia's been in the toilet for quite a while. So uh, the Ukraine's a nice distraction um, <laughs> for him. Yeah, well, for him, exactly. And meanwhile, our media here is saying, oh, he has a Spurger syndrome. Yeah. Oh. Ooh, okay. No, he's just a sociopath. <laughs> <laughs> he's like all the rest of the leaders that we elect or that get into power. Yeah, there's, there's nothing right about them. He's been trained to be crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's his that's his upbringing training. It's mm-hmm. not Asperger's. Uh, what he does is deliberate. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know, um, but yeah, that was just one of the news things yesterday that I saw that was interesting. And yes, Zero Hedge did cover it, and no, no other news organization touched that. So if you've oh, ever heard me F- talk about F the FDA, to, I need to reply to him in chat. Yes, okay. Russia does have loads of natural resources and very little debt. The all the all the natural resources and all the money are with the top point one percent of the population, and everybody else is starving. 
that's how it's going to be here soon. Yeah. You know, if, if you let it, if you let them, if you let them take control, this is what they'll do. There's a time to stand up. That time was 50 years ago. It still is good to stand up now and say no. And maybe bad things will happen to some people, but bad things can't happen to everyone. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I guess, do you want to stand or do you want to kneel? I want to stand. Mm. I think most of us want to stand. I don't know how many will, but um, I'm happy with the idea that more people will want to stand up than will want to kneel. I like well, that. I, I definitely First, don't want to kneel. I've got bad knees. So, well, yeah. I was going to say, you know, uh, I like that idea versus the idea that Loki was right in the Avengers. <laughs> I've come to free you from freedom. Yes. Yeah. Well, Hitler kind of used the same sort of message. Yeah. That's where that came from. Um, yeah. And that's why, oddly enough, the scene that that's said in was in Germany. <laughs> nice subtle one there. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I think you have a much more optimistic outlook than I do. I have to. Yeah. I have to. Otherwise, I would, I would curl up in a ball and I would cry. And with, I would never the, try to do anything. Hmm? Yeah, with the amount of horrible, awful shit that Jan subjects herself to reading every single day... The fact that she is optimistic <laughs> amazes me. Well, I was wondering what size her brain was. I sort of imagined this um, neat woman with a very large head. <laughs> How she stores all the stuff in her head. I know when you're talking to her, sometimes you can hear the computer clicking and she's doing a quick search or getting it up on the screen. But the amount of knowledge in there is absolutely stunning. Um, so I just think it's wonderful where she stores it. Well, she must have some place to put all the information. Oh, please! I can't. I can't remember the word incest. You know, I have. I have. I have a gallon of information and a shot glass of a brain. Some things just leak out. <laughs> So, oh, that's that's nice. I always drink myself silly as soon as Jan shows are over. I wondered why they weren't more popular. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Monday's not a good drinking day. Maybe Friday well, would be a better day. Hmm? You you could have people make drinking contests up after you. <laughs> they've they've done that with me. I am the cause of much of the liver damage to all of the place <laughs> listeners. Is that why you have a disclaimer on your show? Uh, it seems that I use the word fuck a lot. So every time I do, people have to drink. It's it's this game that they have created. So, um, you know, I have created a wave of alcoholics in the yeah. big world. Well, you have it, but I will but, say yeah. when you... When you joined the show, all of my podcasts that went up on iTunes got an explicit rating. Yeah, that's my fault. <laughs> I don't think so, because your, your shows don't have them. <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap, there's news on this. We've got to give it an explicit warning. 
(laughs) (laughs) Can't have actual information getting out there. But, you know, Liz, what I, the reason I wanted to have you on, although it went sideways, it always goes sideways, um, is because your last blog post really did touch me where you talked about, I feel like I am a smoker's friend, but I don't feel like smokers feel like I am their friend. No. I've had that. I have that. I feel that too. But you see, we aren't, a lot of us aren't in the way, in a way, because we buy in and repeat all the tobacco control dogma and creed. And it's not old people like me, because we, we have this memory of before and after. It's younger people who've been brought up in the system. So they've absorbed all the stuff about the terror of secondhand smoke and Mm -hmm. uh, smoking kills you stone dead on your first. You know, there's no (laughs) safe level of smoking. And my kids even Mm -hmm. are are shocked because I had five children. Mm -hmm. Well, when they woke in the night when they were small babies and I was breastfeeding, the Mm -hmm. first thing I'd do is light a cigarette. (laughs) And then grab the kid and feed the kid and puff with my cigarette so that I could stay awake during the whole process. That kind of thinking seems completely abnormal and evil now, doesn't it? Even I'm shocked. (laughs) A, times have changed. B, that a lot of that credit goes to the media. A lot of the damage you see everywhere is in the way the media reports stuff. But they don't report pro-smoking or pro-nicotine or pro-anything to no. do with that. So they are in the pockets. They daren't. They right. daren't because it's not politically correct for it's anybody not... to say what we're yeah. saying. I know. Well, and it's not just that. They profit off your fear. Yes. The government profits profits off your fear by your silence and your silent ability to be subjected to what they think you should be subjected to. And but, the corporations there, profit by, by feeding you scare stories. There are people who complain and rebel and bring up these points about how the smoking danger has been so totally and completely exaggerated for an ideology Mm -hmm. but even on social media their comments are deleted if you i wrote i was been a journalist well i used to be a journalist Mm -hmm. i remember writing a damn good article on snuff Mm -hmm. this is a long time ago i could not get a single um paper or magazine to publish it and written back always that it wasn't a good thing to promote. Well, it was the history of snuff, really. Right. Uh, it wasn't really asking people to become snuff users. It right. was at the beginning of this push to get us reprogrammed so that we became a whole non-smoking world. And so it's just sort of at the moment... 
a fashionable, it's a fashionable idea because it's been made fashionable. It's right. a brand. Mm -hmm. uh, Anti-tobacco is a brand. And people have bought into the brand. And vapors have bought, in, bought into it as well. well so they yeah. are actually trashing the smokers in trying to get vaping accepted. But uh, right. in my head, if you right. attack the smoking bans, because all the of vaping them bans ban vaping. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The vaping bans go completely away. Yeah, you've got exactly. to cut the head off the snake. Yes, to avoid the venom. Well, I mean, here it here it is. We're at the point where the government decides how you will run your business. You pay your taxes. The government should get out of the way. Really, if you're not physically abusing people or shooting people that are coming into your establishment. The government has no place in there. They have no place telling you how to run your business. And if you want to allow smoking, you should be able to allow smoking. If you want to allow vaping, you should be able to allow vaping. The government has no place between a business owner and their ability to make money. But they keep instituting themselves there. And small places keep going out of business. And that's more economic losses, more job losses. Look Thank at our economy. Do, do we really seem like we can afford more government interference on that level about yes. those things? I don't think we can. I mean, I think really it's time to tell the government to get bent. Go away. You've done your damage. Stop it. Get the fuck out. Really, I, it's time. It, it was time 50 years ago, but it's definitely time now. Well, I hope you're right, but I don't see it really. As I've said before, mm -hmm. I won't live to see a, a big change like that. Therefore, I am going to reincarnate. <laughs> and when I come back, I'll, I'll pick up my blog spot and my <laughs> YouTube channel and I'll carry on. Okay. And of course, nobody will recognize me as Vaping Point. <laughs> But still, <laughs> because well, I don't know how long this is going to last. Somebody, as a comment at the bottom of my uh, blog, you know, vaping is doomed. I really laughed. I got a real dressing down. You know, I must pull myself together and, and all this stuff. Right. But somebody said, Dave Dawn predicts about 10 years. Well, I'm 70. In I, 10 I, years, I'm 80. Yes. That is not quick enough. I agree it's not quick enough. But I, I will tell you, I mean, I think vaping is right now where medical marijuana in this country was 20 years ago. I think we have that much of a climb and that much of a fight ahead of us. But I think there are circumstances that are beyond our control that are going to push that fight to the side and force us to fight other fights that will probably change the outcome of all this possibly a lot quicker. Once the anti-tobacco people run out of money, once the countries can no longer fund them, things can start to change then. But mm. not while they're a constant source of white noise in the background. When 
a mom is fixing dinner for her kids. She has the TV on and it's background noise. And most news stories are not like the ones that I saw when I was growing up. They used to have two sides. They don't even try to do that anymore. If there's an anti-smoking story on, it's a plain anti-smoking story, just bashing the crap out of it. An anti-vaping story, just bashing the holy living crap out of it. You maybe get two seconds of a soundbite of someone saying, no, that's wrong, or we think this, we think that. And then it's right back to bashing it. And that gets repeated often enough. It becomes truth via absorption. Whether or not it's true, we begin to believe it. Yeah, because if you repeat something often enough, mm-hmm. it is believed. Yes. And one of the ways to stop that, one of the ways to win, one of the ways I think we're winning, is people are actually taking that TV set, they're turning it the hell off when the news comes on. We've got our own news sources now. Um, you've got VTTV, you've got Vapor's Place to a some sort of an extent. You've got all these other vaping networks that are are popping up, um, vape TV. All of these things are our media now. And we can invest in that and learn from that how to do it right. We don't have to do it the way the establishment has done it all these years. Because you can do propaganda. You can do propaganda cheaply and you can do it stupidly and you can make a huge profit at it. I don't think that's what we want to do. I think we want to tell the truth. I think we want it to be accurate and right and something we can be proud of. And I I think that's where we're headed. Go ahead. Jan? Yes. In the EU regulations that are coming out or have been passed and very might be able to tell me I'm right or wrong, there is a big section on... Advertising, and we might not be able to advertise or spread the word. That yeah, is the, very there dangerous. Are, there are advertising restrictions in there, but in the UK, certainly, what we're trying to attempt to do is persuade enough politicians that we might not enact the whole of the TPD, or indeed, hopefully, we can get them to just ignore it. Um, Sixty seconds. But, uh, ignore her. Yeah, she's Jeannie's her. favorite. She's, gonna, yeah, she's, she's, she's just this obnoxious bitch that I don't like. Yeah. Not that's indicative of your of European people, because I really love most European people. It's just that one that annoys the shit out of me. <laughs> she's computer generated. That's why you don't like her. Go ahead. Yeah, but uh, yeah, the advertising restrictions, and it's not just advertising. Technically, you won't be able to say anything positive about e-cigarettes on any media, and this includes. YouTube channels and stuff like that. Um, well, it's, it's may, may I ask you how many millions of people they're going to have enforcing that? Yeah. Oh, well, I know it's you know, unenforceable. I, but. Sorry, I just tried to upload, um, I Ten did upload seconds. a video, and from YouTube, it would not share it to Facebook. Mm-hmm. So I went in and I found it's actually Facebook that's blocking that video. Yeah. Yeah. I posted it by hand uh, and it's, I don't know why quite, but I would think it's the topic, but you mm-hmm. just have to have that. You yeah. just need to get Twitter, Facebook and Google 
uh, on uh, or bribed, if you like, or um, politically correct, and then we will be all affected because it will be automatic. Nobody's going to root around and see, oh, look, there's vaping point. Poor thing, doddery old thing. Let's just get her videos off. Uh, you know, they're not going to go around looking who's doing it. It'll be a blanket thing that will just stop you posting on or, or um, I mean we'll get round it somehow but the idea of that happening absolutely inflames me because it's against free sharing of knowledge yeah, this is this is what the net neutrality people are fighting about um, yeah. it, it's also an ongoing fight because they keep trying to bring in all these net filters and mm-hmm. all sorts of things to control yeah. what we can do on the internet um, yeah, but it um, is increasing the amount of people who are using workarounds. Yeah, um, yeah. can I recommend uh, something to you, Liz? If yeah. you're concerned about that, you might want to go look around and see what the Electronic Frontier Foundation has done. They've done some amazingly good work and some work that some people completely disagree with. But uh, I've been a pretty vocal supporter of theirs for a very long time. And they also do try to do stuff to help out the EU and, and other countries that are facing censorship on the Internet. Electronic Frontier. Frontier Foundation. Foundation. Okay, I had a pencil, but in my excitement it's gone down the side of my armchair and I don't know where the hell it's gone to now. I'll I'll have to just remember that in my big brain. Well, um, I can stick it up in your chat. Thank you. That way you will always have it. Yeah, because they brought out quite a lot of information the last couple of weeks mm-hmm. for people. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're very good. They've done, I think it's .org. Yeah, it is .org. And they've done some tremendously good work. www.eff.org. Uh, I also highly recommend, if you're from the United States, getting involved with the Tenth Amendment Center to nullify restrictions on your freedom that are set down by the Capitol. But that's just me. With the EU, that's a whole different kettle of fish, and that I have no idea how you fight. But I do know when the restrictions are too silly too stupid and too numerous, people lose all respect for the law and they stop following it. Well, the, here's uh, well, here's hoping you, they... Hmm? I, I, sh- I showed you the recent attempt by yeah. the politicians to bring in those spying laws. Yes. And it was indeed a member of the pirate party <laughs> that drew everyone's attention to it and had basically caused it to be uh, cancelled. Yeah. Which was nice. Yes. You Good know... You've got some good people watching out for you. Not a lot, but enough. And if you pay attention to them and you get involved yourself, you can be the change you want to see. And I think that might be it for the night. Thank hmm. you for joining us, Liz. This was oh, totally my pleasure. I had Thank so you. much fun. You've got to come back whenever you want to come back. Great. Please let me know. Thank you, Jan. Bye-bye, Jeannie, and bye-bye, Barry. See you again. Good night, ma'am. Nice to talk to you.
Uh, advert? Advert. Why spend hours searching for in-stock ammunition when you can use AmmoSeek.com? AmmoSeek.com is a search engine for finding ammunition, reloading components, magazines, and guns for more than 300 calibers at more than 60 online retailers. AmmoSeek.com only shows items that are in stock and readily available for shipping. You can search by caliber, grains, manufacturer, and more. The results are displayed by cost per round, so you are able to get the very best pricing on your ammunition of choice. Find ammunition at the best prices, fast. Um, before I go, uh, tomorrow night, tomorrow 4.15 p.m. Eastern, DE Talk is going to have Stefan on to talk about the California thing. So you might want to pop over to Vapor Trails TV to see that. Have a good night, everyone. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.